0: Fresh off a loss to the Seattle Kraken, the Boston Bruins will be hosting the Toronto Maple Leafs on Saturday evening at TD Garden, a game that will be featured on Hockey Night in Canada. And uh, to tee that one up, I'm going to be joined by an old friend from the score days, Arun Srinivasan, who is going to uh, help preview it. So let's get into that on today's special bonus episode of Locked On Boston Bruins. Your Locked On Bruins, your daily podcast on the Boston Bruins. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Arun, what's going on, my friend? How's it going? It's going well, Dean. Thank you for having me. Yeah, no problem. I I was looking back and I think it was like, 2019 when when you were on the podcast uh, before. So for those who don't remember, uh, Arun and I, we worked at the score together in Toronto, uh, sometimes working hockey together. Arun was mostly football then, but now Arun uh, covering hockey from Toronto for Yahoo Sports, also working on a, a book about racism in hockey that we can touch on uh, near the end uh, but to start, Arun, just your overall impressions so far of uh, the Atlantic division. Ha- has it been shaping up kind of how you expected it to uh, up to this point, halfway point of the season, and uh, any surprises in the Atlantic uh, from your perspective?
1: I mean, man, what a wanted division. I mean, here we go again. I mean, <laughs> um yeah, I mean, I do... I don't think I was in the camp of people who like was speaking on the Bruins demise prematurely, mm-hmm. but I don't think they would be this dominant, uh 41 games into the season. So I guess mm-hmm. they are sort of, in some ways the objective sort of pleasant surprise of the season, the lane division is so tough. I think, you know, when you have Toronto playing as well, you have Tampa playing as well, mm-hmm. you know, they're going to be in variable complaints about the playoff format. I do think as someone who covers Maple Leafs and, have been sort of raised in Maple Leafs fandom that um, while these criticisms are legitimate of the playoff format, um, they sort of ring hollow when it's only coming from the Maple Leafs um, mm-hmm. you know, fan base. So, you know, you have to beat your opponent in front of you, which uh, this Maple Leafs group has failed to do f- so in six consecutive years. Um, have there been any real surprises? Uh, no, not necessarily. I do think the bottom division sort of played out the way you would think it was. I thought Detroit would be a little bit better. Mm-hmm. Um but I will say that this being a Bruins podcast, um, the Leafs have played really well. And I think word now for the Bruins just having this absolutely incredible start to the year, It's sort of obscured how well the Leafs have played. Mm-hmm. Because every you look at the top of the standings. The Bruins are up eight, nine points and counting. Uh, I mean, mm-hmm. the Leafs and the Bruins both lost last night, you know, from the Leafs perspective, a key opportunity to gain some ground. Um but, yeah, the LA division is as good as ever, and that should frighten some teams. I think Boston, Toronto, and Tampa will be really battle-tested come playoff time. Um, mm-hmm. But, man, year in, year out, it's the toughest decision, toughest division in the league by far. Yeah,
0: yeah, for sure. I mean, yeah, I've said countless times on the podcast that I expected the Bruins to be okay to start the season without Marchand McAvoy, but to be this, uh, this – ahead of Toronto in the Atlantic, they're nine points up and Boston has two games in hand, uh, which is wild. And, and the plus 65 goal differential for Boston compared to Toronto's plus 31, uh, which is just insane as well. Just looking at the standings, interesting to see that say based on the old uh, one to eight format points wise, Boston uh, would be set up to play Pittsburgh in the first round and Toronto would indeed be matched up against Tampa as the three, uh, the three, six matchup right now, which is, uh, which is interesting. So, I mean, point percentage changes that a little bit. I think Tampa's ahead of the Rangers, but, but, uh, still wild to, to think about how, yeah. Finish second in the Atlantic and you still might have to play (laughs) the reigning, eastern conference champions which would be a tough tough road uh one thing that's impressed me about toronto so far this year is uh their defense they're a much improved defensive team um allowing i think the third or or top five fewest goals uh what's changed about this team defensively this season compared to to past years perhaps or is that just a perception that they're bad defensively
1: no, I mean, yeah, that perception is completely outdated now. And I think there are a few different components. I mean, I think we have to start with Mark Giordano. He's been so good for this team. Um, you know, you look at his underlying possession numbers, they're good. They're not, you know, Adam Fox level or anything or Charlie McIlroy right. level. But they're good enough where he's on the ice. You can put him in defensive zone faceoffs, and, you know, he's going to make the right play every time. I think – his presence has really encouraged the growth of Justin Hall. I mean, Hall Giordano have played the most minutes at five and five for the Leafs this year by far, um, and they probably will remain intact with TJ Brody out of the lineup. I mean, Giordano for thirty nine years old. I mean, he's not just playing well for eight; he's playing great. Period. He is like a borderline, you know, if this All Star format in any sense, he'd be a borderline All Star. Um, but I think his sort of reliability has just allowed Justin Hall to play his game. I mean, you watch Justin Hall. This guy takes off. He jumps in the rush a ton. Um, He often wants to operate as a fourth forward, especially when he's paired with the Leafs' top six. He can sort of um, sense sort of that aggressiveness when the Leafs forwards and wants to jump in. And Giordano has just sort of allowed him to play his game naturally without overthinking. I mean, Justin Hall had a brutal start to the year. And, man, the Leafs fans let him have it. And Mm -hmm. it was really rough. But I think, you know, he's playing some of the best hockey of his career now with Giordano there as a safety foul. The second component is that, the, in probably easier um, point, is that there's been a lot of internal development from Rasmus Sandin and Timothy mm. a Little, bit. Right. particularly from Rasmus Sandin. Uh, you know, it's too bad he suffered a neck injury in, in December, which sort of um, took him out of his rhythm a little bit because he was really impressing in all situations. You know, Sheldon, I asked Sheldon Keefe about this in December, and it seemed clear from Sheldon's response that. You know, Rasmus has earned the trust of Sheldon, all situations. You can put him on the penalty kill. He sort of can operate as a power play quarterback. It's not necessarily his most natural role, but he sort of has the skill set to shoot through traffic, sees lanes. He's making really clean, uh, you know, zone exits too. And for a guy who is on paper undersized for angel defenseman, he's not scared to lay the body or win pucks in the corner. He's been mm-hmm. great. I think the game is really slowing down for him. For Timothy Lilligren, I'm not as willing to say the game is slowing down for him. But he, he's he been a lot more solid. Uh, there's been a lot less variance with his play. There'll be some nights where Timothy Lilligran, like, of course, he's got, you know, plus size. He's got plus skating for an angel defenseman. You look at this guy sometimes, and uh, last year, and you're like, this guy could be the best defenseman on the team. And then the next night, he's the worst player in the ice by far. There's been far less variance in this game. It's been a lot more solid. So those two having some internal development there. Um, has gone a long way to, you know, for a team that's been without Morgan Riley and will be without mm. Jake Muslin for the foreseeable future. I mean, look, without playing doctor, I'm certainly not qualified to do so. You know, I wouldn't um, sort of plan for this Leafs team with Big yeah. being a part of that core group anymore. And it's unfortunate. It's an unfortunate reality of this game, right? You put your body on the line for this team time and again. Um, but, yeah, I mean, Mark Giordano has been a godsend because he too, like he's such a steady leader in that room, and then for Rasman and Sandin and Timothy Lilligren to show the internal development you want from both these guys are former first round picks, like you know, yeah. you know, and I think they're past the age where you can look them as well. They're young and promising. We'll see. Like this is the year for them to show something, and they have. So that's been great to mm-hmm. see.
0: And grabbing uh, Connor Timmons from from Arizona certainly helped too. They have the luxury of. I think he's got like 10 points in 15 games or something like that. Uh, actually snagged him in my keeper fantasy that, league. So that's been a nice, uh, nice addition, but haven't been able to play him as much uh, lately because he's been uh, scratched, which is a nice luxury for, for Toronto to have. Yeah, uh, I want to talk about uh, the goaltending situation, Austin Matthews, uh, but I uh, have to take a quick break break here so be right back with Arun. first a quick word about bet online uh sponsor today they're your number one source for sports betting info stats news analysis get all the latest odds and trends for every professional the amateur league out there nfl playoffs coming up this weekend i know arun is going to be uh very tuned into the buffalo bills and uh you can place all your bets for NFL action at bet online. So fast, so easy head to their website today. Use your mobile device to learn more. Uh, that's bet online where the game starts. Side note, Arun, how uh, confident are you are in the bills beating Miami this weekend?
1: Very confident. Like dangerously confident, but confident in (laughs) someone where it never feels like comfortable. Like, you know, it can only, you know, be bad. Like, you know, God, I mean, you hate to assume that you have sort of like the win in, in hand. But, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm very confident in, in this Bills team to beat Miami because Tua Tagovailoa is not playing. Totally right. different equation if he's in. But I think just the drop-off between him and Scott mm-hmm. Thompson is noticeable. Yeah. So, yes, I'm a massive Bills fan. Go Bills. Hopefully it's their year. Yep.
0: A, lot of, uh, a lot of Ontario people are Bills fans just because of the – I know for me growing up, that was the only game that was on TV on uh, on Sunday afternoons was Bill's game. So I was pretty plugged in back then anyways. Uh, I want to talk about the goaltending. That was a big story heading into the season. Toronto kind of re-ba- revamping their goaltending situation, bringing in Matt Murray, Ilya Samsonov. Both guys have been a bit up and down and a bit injured, but their numbers are pretty strong. Um, I think it was Samsonov who played the other night in the loss to detroit i'm expecting matt murray will start against uh boston is that a fair assumption and either way what's uh what's been behind those two guys having a bit of a resurgence personally for the leafs this season
1: yeah i mean i think it's a fair assumption to um assume that matt Murray will get to start on saturday against the bruins i mean you know, Sheldon Keefe hasn't really um, designated like, facto number one, but it does seem to be leaning towards Murray having that number one role. And, you know, if we're talking about playoff time, I think he would probably be yeah. the starter. Um, yeah, I mean, the factor for the resurgence for both these guys, I don't know necessarily. I think playing in front of a better defense certainly helps. But yeah. they both been good. I mean, I think, you know, I didn't see the vision when – the Leafs acquired Murray or Samsonov. I was very much part of the sarcastic crew. It was like, "Well, oh, Kyle Dubin says his acquire former Sue Greyhounds. And for <laughs> right. Samsonov, I didn't see it. I was just like, you know, I didn't really take the glass half full approach with him, which should have been obvious. Or you have like this, I mean, they're, both these guys are gigantic. And mm-hmm. Samsonov, he moves so well laterally, like his physical tools are off the charts. So my whole thing was like, if he's so big and he's so athletic, like why couldn't he get the job done? With Washington, they gave him... I mean, look, the Capitals gave him every chance to be number one after yeah. They It's not like he didn't get a fair shot, and he did. And um, to me, I had a lot of uh, trepidation about both of them. But, wow, I mean, yeah, uh, Matt Murray's been great consistently throughout the year. Um, this last month, they have faced some steep regression, but I'm not all together worried about it. I think... Alarm bells go off for Maple Leafs fans because they see what happened with Jack Campbell last year where Mm -hmm. he was a a top five goalie um, in the league until New Year's Day. And then his form fell off a cliff. And it's unfortunate to see that he hasn't, um, you know, regained some of that early 2021 form with the Oilers this year. But yeah. Yeah. I mean, look, if they, they say the cliche is that, you know, you want your goalie to give you a chance to win every night or and Matt Murray and Elias and have done that in spades uh especially yeah. during those initial days of Morgan Raleigh going down when mm-hmm. there was a lot of uncertainty around how this young defense would respond and you know what the parents really like and you know no one really anticipated nor would it be fair to anticipate 39 year old Mark Daniel playing this great and sort of uplifting yeah. the rest of the team so that's been really good I think um to me, I just think you know, for Samsonov, he, he's just seeing the puck a lot better. Like he's not fighting the puck anymore. For yeah. Murray, I mean, there's nights where he looks lights out. Um, you know, he can be inconsistent. You know, I was the last game I covered in person was against the Kraken last week, where Matt Murray was, was awful, and you know, there's no way <laughs> yeah. around that. But by my books, it's only really his third bad start of the year. So they've been really good for the Leafs. They've been you know making key saves. Um, Granted, Lee's defense has not really put them out to dry this year, um, which is nice to see. But, yeah, I mean, a fresh start really helps. I think in Samsonov's case, he needed that fresh start a lot more. Matt Murray, I can't necessarily figure it out. He's always been sort of prone to these, like, highs and lows. So, I think mm-hmm. that's just it. With Samsonov, I really just think it was, you know, change of scenery, change of organization. Yeah. You know, the organization had ridden him off. The fan base was just, like, had ridden him off. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, it – Look, we never really know with goaltending, right? I mean, look at the yeah. Bruins, Lannister Allmark. I mean, yeah, any any team in the NHL could have had him, and now he's going to win the Vezina Trophy.
0: Yeah,
1: so I mean, goaltending is such a variable. Like, unless you are Andre Vasilevsky or Igor Shosturkin, like good yeah. luck. So, totally. uh, I know that's not maybe the clever answer that you wanted or expected, but truthfully, I think it's changed the scenery for Samsonov for Murray. I don't know what it is. Um, I just think I would have to probably attribute it to the Leafs' defense being better than their previous teams. Mm-hmm. But, again, man, Ian, I don't know. Like, I mean, I guess flipping it back on you, right? Like, how many of us knew that Linus Olmark was going to be
0: <laughs> yeah,
1: good, right? Like, he's been phenomenal yeah. this year. I have to put in my vote for, you know, midseason awards, and he's getting my best in a trophy vote this year. I yeah. never thought in a million years that would be the case.
0: Yeah, I mean, he has exceeded all expectations. I thought he would be a, a pretty good signing. Mm-hmm. Last year, you know, I talked a lot about how – he kind of stumbled out of the gates, like a new city, new system, uprooting your family, all that. It takes a while to to, to get into things, but yeah, he's certainly exceeded. We often see it, right? Where Vesna, Jack Adams kind of go hand in hand. Um, Jim Montgomery has been good for Linus Allmark. Linus Allmark has been good for Jim Montgomery. Um, yep. He did lose Thursday so I'm not sure if they might go with Swayman against the Leafs because he's been playing pretty well yeah. lately too so that'll be interesting to see what the matchup is Um one guy who may or may not be testing Boston's goaltending is Austin Matthews he's been out of the lineup the last couple of days with a uh, mystery ailment that's nagging him I think he's on a, a 38 goal pace which is very good, but not the 60 goals he scored last year. Uh What's up with Austin Matthews? Why is he not uh, scoring at the rate that he did last season?
1: I think it's just honestly just a matter of just like re- like shooting regression. Like if you just look at a curse, you look at natural stat he's third in individual expected goals. He's like one of the best faceoff men in the league. His two-way attention and detail has been excellent. Like there's been this best defensive year of his year, career right. by far, I think. And I think that's mattered a lot. I mean, yeah. Like, I said this on Fan 590 a few weeks ago. It's like the goal-scoring explosion for Austin Matthews seems to be coming. Like, if you just mm-hmm. look at sort of any, like, graph and stuff, there's you know, he hasn't played poorly. He's played really well. Has he played, like, a hard trophy candidate? No, he's not going to win a hard trophy this year. But he's played really well in all facets mm-hmm. of the game. Like, there's been nothing really noticeably different. You know, I don't think... I think last year a lot of the Leafs' offense was tailored to Austin Matthews, where they would try mm-hmm. to get him into that patented top of the faceoff circle and just you know, rich sh- a laser pass goalies. He still got that, but I think the Leafs' offense, the way they sort of entered zones, a little different too. I mean, William Nylander's having such a fantastic year that he's often awesome driving that line too, and Matthews just right. waiting. Yeah, him. he's been unreal. There's like we talk about this. I use this as a clutch all time in a lot of sports, but. In the NBA, they, Steph Curry has a thing called the gravity effect, right? Where basically mm-hmm. he's such the focus of the defense that it creates opportunities for other players. You're seeing that with Matthews, you right. know? And, like, not to say that William Nylander hasn't been great independently, but, like, when the defense has to account for Austin Matthews at all time, well, of course William Nylander is going to just take every opportunity to run with that. So Matthews, he's, he's, been, he's been great this year. He's been, he's been really good, um, you know, whether that injury has hampered his production a bit Again, I'm no doctor and nor am I going to pretend to. But, you know, being, you know, this being my first year with consistent access to the team, I haven't seen anything to indicate that, you know, this, there's this ailment that, you know, holding Austin Matthews back. I do think if you look at his, his raw numbers and you see a 38 goal pace and what probably an like 80 point pace, you seem to think, well, this must be a disappointment. But that really hasn't been the view from the least room. Yep. Um, that's certainly not the message that's being emanated uh, from the Maple Leafs dressing room or teammates or from Matthews himself, who just looks doubted and confident. Um, So I don't know. I mean, I would account for a major goal-scoring, you know, explosion for Matthews, mm-hmm. but yeah, like, Oh, like, you know, I, I would worry sometimes and then look at natural stat trick and realize like he's <laughs> doing just fine. It's just a matter of time. And again, man, like, the other facets of his game have never been better. Like, you know, he's winning puck battles. He's winning face-offs. You can put him in defensive zone face-off with a lead and right. up and he's not going to, you know, you can feel comfortable with him out there. So he's doing a lot of good things, man. The uh, pucks might not be finding the net like they were last year. He's not going to win the Hart Trophy this year. You know, we can safely say that. Um, and then there's one other part of it, too, J- much in the same sense, like sort of analogous to – the Bruins playing so well just obscured how well the Leafs have played. Like Mitch Marner playing so well just sort of obscured how well the rest of the Maple Leafs have played. You know, him getting the franchise record point streak and have now tying the franchise record home streak. You know, the story rightfully has been Marner, Marner, Marner all the time. Right. Um, And I think that
0: is sort of obscured how well Austin Matthews played as well. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, Before I let you go, I wanted to touch on uh, some of your other work. Reminded me that – Last time Boston-Toronto played the season, it was a 2-1 win for the Maple Leafs in Toronto, and that game was, I don't want to say clouded, but came the day after the Bruins signed Mitchell Miller. And uh, I know you're currently working on a book about uh, racism in hockey, some of those issues. I wanted to get your take on kind of that whole situation uh, how the Bruins handled it subsequently and um, yeah, kind of what it meant for the overall, you know, hockey is for everyone kind of uh philosophy. Uh, some quick thoughts on, on that whole situation. God, I mean, where to start? <laughs> um,
1: I would say that the dissonance between the way the Bruins players handled it and the way the Bruins organization yeah. handled it couldn't have been uh sort of more starkly contrast i mean you know not that anyone should win like praise in situations like this but Mm -hmm. Bergeron handled it as well as possible i thought yeah which is just in such stark contrast to the way the bruins organization handled it i think them saying that you know we didn't know of these facts or we didn't do our due diligence on mitchell miller is (laughs) do you not have a working internet connection in (laughs) in your front office i don't i don't understand that uh, After for NHL, I've been deeply critical of them as a league and the way they've handled mm-hmm. it. I don't think they did enough. I don't think they acted swiftly enough. Much in the same case with Logan Mayo for the for mm-hmm. the Habs, like they yeah. haven't acted swiftly enough. This hockey for everyone moniker is just that. Um, you know, you look at other people who've tried to work with NHL earnestly in these EDI mm-hmm. space. You, know, you look at Akima with the Hockey Diversity Alliance. Yeah, he, he's rightfully criticized the NHL, saying they rejected the list of you know, demands that they put out for tangible partnership. Yeah. And that's just been glossed over by Dane Shell. And look, Kim Davis is failing at her job. Let's call it what it is. She's getting celebrated mm-hmm. in the hockey news and other organizations. And people want to parrot Kim um, as the sort of this beacon of inclusion and diversity. Kim Davis was a former investment banker before she, <laughs> you know, like let's not kid ourselves here. When I interviewed Kim in 2019 four story, you know, title hockey is not for everyone. sort of a play on yeah. word. hockey is for everyone. Kim gave me his answer that basically amounted to, well, you can't expect the NHL to progress at a faster rate than society generally, which mm-hmm. I thought was just like deeply uninspiring. You know, yeah. is Kim failing at her job because the NHL hasn't given enough resources to work with? That's very well possible. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, the league hasn't really been proactive in fighting racism. They just hope the news cycle dies out. Um, I think when there have been groups that generally care to work with them, um, they've really ignored it. I think where the angel may have done well, they I think they're probably doing better with gay gay rights and trans rights a little mm. bit. Yep. Um, but that seems to be on a team by team basis. You know, like you look this week, one of my colleagues at uh, Yeah It Was Sports, Ian Kennedy, he wrote the story. Yesterday on how the Senators are inviting Jordan Peterson, mm, yeah, yep. to the night. It's just like you know the rate of racist incidents that happen in the NHL are alarming to keep up with. Like, yeah, it is technically my job oh. to do so. Well, it is my <laughs> job to do so for the of this book, and I gotta tell you, man, like writing the chapters on the modern era of racism, it's like some of the stuff becomes outdated really quickly. You know, yeah. Um, I don't know. I would like the NHL to sort of a enact sort of stricter policies when it comes to racism and signing players that have committed um, acts of racism or sexual assault in their past and be mm-hmm. also be cognizant of the own policies they have in place. Right. You know, I think oftentimes <laughs> the messaging comes to the NHL, they say hockey is for everyone and the way they present it seems like they had just stumbled upon the memo themselves, <laughs> you know? So I think there needs to be better organization for them. For sure. I think instead of just blindly celebrating Kim Davis for being this beacon of inclusion, I think journalists, need to do a better job of interrogating her record in this space too Mm -hmm. Um, because kim is 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 you know she's well-spoken and you know she's you know extremely well-educated and and smart and but you know she has the that sort of the politician's ability to evade pressure and sort of evade questions about policy or evade questions Mm -hmm. about next steps it's always about sort of you know barometers in society and you know she hits she hits the buzzwords really nicely but Mm-hmm. Uh, so i think the league needs to do a lot better job i think certain teams are doing a better job you can point to you know to seattle kraken and you know yep. that they've been they've had emphasis on you know diversity and inclusion in a real way i mean mm-hmm. it um you know all the way up from their hiring practices so getting a sort of an assessment of the league is i mean my opinion on the league hasn't changed um how it's dealt with anti-racism um and again with the bruins again to me like the response between Patrice Bergeron and the response. Yeah. His, his couldn't have been more different. So, yeah. you know, credits of Patrice Bergeron for being a good guy and handling it as best as he possibly could have. Um, I think, you know what I retracted what I said earlier. I think he deserves a little bit of praise for just the way he handled a really tough situation. Cause clearly yeah. he did not sign off on it. Nor no, the yeah. Players, right. Like yeah. all the players basically were like, what the hell is this? Mm-hmm. So yeah, man, it's, 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 it's an ongoing, it's an ongoing struggle, you know? Racism just doesn't die when the news cycle dies. And yeah. I have to give a lot of credit to other journalists in the space, like Requested, Neon Kendi, and Katie Strang, who are yeah, doing a better sure. job than I am at, at covering this intersection. It can be tough. And um, so, yeah, man, I know this is a long winded answer, but it's tough to get sort of a static opinion of the league. But mm-hmm. certain teams are doing it better than others. And let's hope that the Mitchell Miller incident and the Logan Mayo incident before it, um, to say nothing of the concurrent Hockey Canada scandals, Yes. Hopefully that teaches us all to be a little more diligent, you know, at least as journalists, man. Like the for fans, sure. I don't really, I know this is probably a stupid thing to say, but I don't think the onus really is on the fans. as they want to, great. Mm-hmm. You know, we're all here to wait for it. But for journalists, like it baffles me how many journalists don't take the anti-racism yeah. lessons that we all learned in society three years ago seriously in their work. Mm-hmm. You know, I didn't get this book deal because I'm like this great social theorist, and you know that. You know me from Annabelle days on the desk. I'm just, <laughs> I'm just one of the guys. But the reason why I have a book deal is not because I'm this great writer or anything, because I'm one of the few people actually like wanted to report on this intersection. Right, right, that's right. really what it is. So, you know, I'm flattered when people tell me I'm a good writer and this and that's nice. But it truly is because I was one of the few people actually bothered to take the stuff we all said we were going to seriously four years ago. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I think that's where we're at. And it's got to keep, uh, you know, we got to keep pushing forward, man. We got to keep mm-hmm. uh, challenging people in power. Um and I think just sort of finally on this, uh, I think what we could all do better as journalists is look at the linkage between policies in society and policies in our league. You know, I think when Angel puts up the report, there's a lot of shock. Like, wow, we couldn't believe this thing was racist. Right. You know, I go to these anti-racism conferences in Toronto, and then they start the conference with a message read from John Tory, who made like seriously <laughs> words for black and indigenous people. Right. <laughs> so I think yeah. it has to be sort of this, you know, uh, a greater examination of how these things are all sort of interconnected. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but yeah, sorry for the long winded answer on that. No, I
0: no, don't apologize. Well, Arun, you do great work. You do important work and it's important to keep these conversations going. Even when we're excited about individual teams and games, uh, remind people where they can find uh, where your, your work, where they can find you on Twitter.
1: Yeah. So my Twitter is at Arun things. Um, my you can find the vast majority of my work at Yahoo Sports Canada, although I should be working with a few other outlets this year. Um, Otherwise, um, yeah, I mean, you can follow me on Instagram if you want. I usually post some of my work there, but truthfully it's me just sort of posting my life in the city. Um, And then that's about it really. I, you know, I'm going to, I took this week off just to have fun, but uh, including this podcast, man, thank you so much for having me, but thanks for doing it. Back in hitting the ground running, and um, hopefully, I can have some more concrete updates about my work in the sort of racism in hockey space.
0: Perfect. Well, thanks again uh, for, for taking some time to pop on. And uh, thanks, everybody, for checking out this uh, preview episode for Leafs Bruins Saturday night. TD Garden should be a good one. And I'll be back on uh, Monday for a full uh, recap. So take care of yourselves, everybody. Take care of each other. And uh, we'll talk to you again on Locked On Boston Bruins, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your favorite team every single day.